Much like resolving a dispute in medieval times, getting the support and adoration of the UFC fanbase often requires, well, a trial by combat. Yeah, you might have fancy tattoos, a cool hairstyle, and more personality than Ryan Reynolds busting it for tips. But until you make the journey to Mordor, for some fans, you're still just hobbit food for the orcs. The fight meets back on the menu, boys! We dropped a video last year of the biggest potential stars in the UFC. Plenty of you commented with your own opinions, and as it turns out, some of you aren't convinced. So with that being said, here are the 10 UFC stars fans are most skeptical of. Number 10, Tracy Cortez. The undefeated UFC run of the Arizonian, Tracy Cortez, hasn't exactly gone unnoticed over the last few years. Like many new UFC stars, she got her start on the Dana White's Contender Series after a short two-year career that already saw her go 5-1. She demonstrated her grappling ability against the so-hot right now, Maria Agapova, and that's pretty much become the bread and butter of her UFC career, and she's managed to score a takedown against every single UFC opponent she's faced. But the reality is there is a portion of the fan base that has yet to get on board the Tracy train. Their main criticism being her striking. Now, with any elite martial artist, where you have one skill that's so dominant, the rest of your game would always be compared against it. And compared to her wrestling, a lot of fans feel like Tracy still has a bit of a way to go with her striking. Against Justine Kish, who's not necessarily known for her heavy hands, fans saw that every time she threw a naked leg kick, she got tagged with punches. She even got dropped in the third round because of this. Against Melissa Gatto, fans also noted she had problems on the feet and was getting backed up in a straight line and caught with punches. But she's clearly a star, her grab Grappling is clearly elite among the division, and she's just getting started. Number 9. Manel Cup the career of the Starboy began at just 18 years old in Portugal, where he spent three years KOing and subbing people until Ryzen invited him to join their 2017 Bantamweight Grand Prix. He showed up like the cocky new kid at school, and the commentators just basically gave him shit for it, but he KOed his first two opponents both in one minute before ultimately falling short to the future champion, Kyoji Horiguchi. Eventually, he fought his way to the Ryzen Bantamweight title, though, and TKO'd Kai Asakura in the second round to claim his first championship. That was a big deal. He was an explosive guy with an attitude and a penance for knockouts. Safe to say the UFC were interested, and so were the fan base. But despite all the hype behind him, Cap would actually lose his first two fights in the UFC. His debut in 2021 led to two close decision losses to Alexandre Pantoja and Mateus Nicolau, but before the year ended, he bounced back with two classic first-round Starboy TKOs. But as impressive as those finishes were, and the potential he has as a former champion, some fans have already seen some holes in his game. When the big shot doesn't land, we've seen him kind of outwork by his opponents, and it's led to some hit-and-miss performances throughout his career. He was a champion in Rising, but that doesn't mean he'll light speed to a UFC title. Number 8. Michelle Pereira Fighting someone with as many breakdancing skills as Michelle Pereira. And as ballsy and as frankly as badass as it is, we've seen on occasion that it doesn't actually work. Fair play to Michelle for showing up in the UFC basically looking to entertain first and win second though. But as my man Woody Harrison will tell you, it ain't all about looking good, it's about winning. I'd rather look ugly Shut and win. Shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck At this point, Michelle has built himself a five-fight winning streak, which really isn't easy to do in the UFC. So any of the doubts some fans had about his ability to actually make it to a title is slowly dissipating, but there's still a few red flags that fans have been pointing to. Like his fight with Tristan Connolly, where he definitely wasted more energy dancing to the octagon than the 10 backflips he pulled off in the fight, and yet he's reined in that sort of behaviour. But apart from the flying knee KO he got in his UFC debut, his last four wins have all come by decision, and his recent fight with Santiago Ponzinibbio was super close. So against the higher-ups of the division, where his Capoeira is probably even less likely to work, the 
thing that makes Michelle Pereira, Michelle Pereira is almost no longer there. But he's still getting wins regardless and still occasionally does something flashy with his ability to vertically leap in the air like Mario. Until he beats up a top 10 guy convincingly though, fans will still have their skepticisms. Number seven, Sean Brady. Sean Brady, he's just like a cheesesteak. He's big, he's meaty, and he's from Philadelphia. Also, he might be one of the best grapplers in the division. He's got a black belt under Daniel Gracie, and apart from already scoring 16 takedowns in just five UFC fights, he's proved he can finish with his jiu-jitsu, picking up two submission wins against Jake Matthews and Christian Aguilera, and incredibly beating Craig Jones in a jiu-jitsu match at Fury Pro Grappling, although heel hooks were banned in that one. But there's still a few fans who aren't convinced by the grappling Terminator, mainly those that saw his recent fight with Michael Chiesa. We all expected the Maverick and Brady to have a grappling showdown. I mean, Chiesa has been tapping people in the UFC since 2013. But what we did get to see was a lot of striking, and Mike kind of got the better of it, which concerned a few Brady Bunch fans, seeing as the Maverick hasn't scored a TKO since he put out James Vick in the Ultimate Fighter House, and even that was on the ground. It was supposed to be a coming out party for Sean, but as fans have pointed out, well, he only landed 18 significant strikes in the whole contest. As well-rounded as Sean has proven to be, some fans think that if he comes up against an equally good grappler like Colby, Hamza or Burns, the striking will be the equaliser. He's ranked number nine, his grappling is clearly elite, but he's got nothing but killers in front of him and nowhere to go but up. Number six, Tai Tuivasa. There's not a lot to hate about the West Sydney banger Tai Tuivasa. His down-to-earth personality has warmed the hearts of even the most serious of MMA fans. Hello, Akbar. Assalamualaikum. And his knockouts? Yeah, those have helped as well. Ty's career is about to hit its peak as he's taking on French kickboxer Cyril Garn, and it's because he's amassed a five-fight finishing streak with three KOs and two TKOs. But the problem some MMA fans have is in his first UFC run, he showed some pretty glaring holes, mainly in his ground game. He did great on his arrival into the UFC. He even passed the Andre Olovsky test, but then he ran into the vet JDS who put him out with his ground and pound. Against Blagoy Ivanov, he kind of just got outworked and then he got taken down six times against Spivak and the pommeling he took kind of shook the confidence of Bam Bam fans everywhere. But he got back on the kangaroo and started knocking people out. Stefan Struve, Harry Hunsucker, Greg Hardy and Augusto Sakai and yeah, they were impressive performances. He looked refocused, sharper and his pressure was breaking people. But only one of those opponents was ranked when he fought them. Derek Lewis is pretty much as legit as it gets at heavyweight but they both went in swanging and banging and some fans still believe that faced with another grappler, Tuivasa will be back in deep waters. Until then, anyone that wants to strike with him will need to bring a plate. Number five, Sean O'Malley. There's no doubt that whenever the Sugar Show comes to town, he's bringing with him a portion of the UFC fan base. Maybe it's the crazy colors in his hair, or the 420 friendly persona, or maybe it's the fact he's seemingly always able to deliver entertaining performances that usually result in a devastating finish. Currently, he's 8-1-1 in UFC competition, which for a guy that's only been in the promotion for four years is pretty impressive. But for as good as he's looked, there's still doubt in the minds of many UFC fans that he actually has what it takes to get to a title. First of all, his grappling is pretty much Untested. If you look at his previous UFC opponents, not one of them is known for their grappling pedigree. When Marlon Vera did get on top of him, he was TKO'd pretty quickly. Sean has been testing himself in jiu-jitsu competitions outside of the UFC, but faced with a good wrestler like Marab Davalashvili, TJ Dillashaw, or even Frankie Edgar, but we don't know how effective his striking will be. Or maybe he'll just KO them like everybody else. There's also his two positive out-of-competition tests for Osterine, an anabolic agent in 2018 and 2019, that some fans still remember and love to talk about. 
but one of his main criticisms has been his supposed curated UFC matchmaking, which is a double-edged sword. Yes, he's been able to get highlight reel finishes and work his way up quite sensibly, but it's left a portion of the fan base unimpressed with his kill streak so far. What we have seen, though, it's been pretty incredible, but there's still some unanswered questions. Number four, Islam Mahachev. At this point, it seems pretty hard for anyone to doubt Mahachev's championship potential. He's got Habib in his corner, he's been training with him all his life, and his grappling has looked pretty much unstoppable. And yet, there are doubters out there. He's another guy on this list who's managed to build a seriously strong UFC win streak, 10 by the way, but as some fans will point out, he's not exactly been facing the elite of the lightweight division. In fact, he's on the cusp of fighting for a title and he's not actually beaten anyone ranked in the top 10. Well, apart from Armin Sarukian, who he beat in his UFC debut and has only just arrived in the rankings himself, but certainly has given much of the fan base cause for concern. To be fair, he's been scheduled to fight Rafael Dos Anjos and Benil Dariush, and as such, we've yet to see him actually face the elite of the division. Even though he's now ranked number four, he's managed to bypass them. That's purely because of his dominance though. I mean, he's been smashing through people and has finished his last four opponents. But until they see him face a Chandler, a Gaethje, much of the fan base still doubt the D'Agostinian and we have seen him knocked out already in UFC competition. The man's skill set speaks for itself though. Let's see what the UFC do with him next. Number three, Ian Gary. The future of Irish MMA has arrived. He's tall, he's a machado, and following in McGregor's footsteps, he's predicting a second Emerald Isle takeover. Clearly, Gary has a well-rounded game. He's been boxing since he was 10, he's a judo black belt, and now down at Sanford MMA, he's training with the kind of world-class fighters that could see him rise to the top of the sport. His only loss has come at the amateur level, and he fought his entire pre-UFC career in Cage Warriors, where he blew through everyone in two years, with only two decisions, in his debut and when he captured the title. But much of the fan base has yet to back the future. Why? Well, apart from any residual hate running off from the leftover jaded Conor McGregor fans, some people believe that he might not be ready for UFC competition. It is true he's still pretty green in his career. I mean, he's only been a pro for over three years and is only 24 years old. He's also trying to recreate the same narrative Conor pushed in his UFC arrival, and it's understandable that a lot of fans think he can't live up to the notorious one. In his UFC debut against Jordan Williams, some fans also criticized how hittable he seemed to be, and in his two decisions since then, He's certainly been facing guys that are at his current level as they've been competitive fights. Living up to McGregor is a big task. He's certainly attracting fan interest, but in the minds of many, he still has a lot to prove. Number two, Alex Pereira. Do you know of the Dim Mac? The Touch of Death? Haven't heard of it? What the hell is a Dim Mac? Well, maybe you should go and watch Alex Pereira's kickboxing highlight reel and his effortless ability to send world-class athletes reeling into unconsciousness while looking like he's barely touched them at all. But kickboxing isn't MMA, is it? And although he's managed to go 6-1 and one so far, all but one of them finishes, by the way, is he ready for a UFC title shot? Is this man the real deal? Well, that's a question a lot of fans have been asking, actually, because undeniably, the striking skills have carried over from the kickboxing world. I mean, he proved that several times over now, and his KO of Sean Strickland pretty much removed any lingering doubt from the minds of fans who've yet to believe it. But of course, MMA is more than just striking, and we've seen Alex get taken down in both his first two UFC appearances, and he was pretty easily able to work his way back to the feet. He's been training in MMA since 2015, so this isn't exactly all new to him, and being able to work with one of the best grapplers in the UFC's heavier weight classes, like Glover Teixeira, it can only help ease his transition into the sport. But it is true that we've yet to see him tested against a high-level grappler 
grappler, and until that happens, a portion of the fan base will always have questions about his potential. I mean, I highly doubt he needs to worry about takedowns when fighting Adesadia, but he's jumped right past Marvin Vittori, Derek Brunson, even Andre Muniz, all of whom could have challenged Alex in ways that we've just not seen yet. Number one, Paddy Pimblett. You know who the boy is, and he's a charming scouser who, as Pete Carroll long predicted, needed but an inch of UFC exposure that he's run with for miles. Coming up in Cage Warriors, Pimblet's confidence, never say die attitude, and the sheer drama of his fights propelled him to regional stardom. Oh, and he's got some pretty sick finishes as well. He nabbed the full contact contender featherweight and Cage Warriors belt, and he did all that before his 22nd birthday. This was actually when the UFC came a call him for the first time, but Cage Warriors owner Graham Boylan took Paddy out for a fancy meal and offered him more cash than that 12 and 12 UFC contract, so he stayed in the UK. And he certainly generated the kind of star power that could easily propel you to the top of the sport. But what are fans most skeptical about? Well, if you listen to the ones online and post-fight Michael Bisping, apparently the main concern seems to be with his striking. If you go and look at Paddy's fights, he's got a ton of weapons on the feet, and his ground game is so good that he's not afraid to throw a full arsenal of kicks, but it's his defense that people are calling into question. And to be fair, he has been hit clean on more than one occasion, but he's kind of also been able to survive every single time and win the fight. His only losses are by decision, and you can't really argue with that. I'm a scouser. You don't get knocked out. But lots of fans saw him take a big shot from Luigi Vendramini in his UFC debut, and they reckon if he gets hit by the likes of Chandler or Gaethje, his chin might not be enough to save him. But luckily, he's got plenty of time to round out his game before then, and he's in no rush to get to the top of the division. A big shout out to Luke Taylor for editing this video. You can find him and some of his amazing artwork on Twitter at cool2me underscore. Shout out to Ben Rosette and the excellent music he provided during the intro video. His music can be found on streaming platforms everywhere. There is a link in the description and follow him at Ben Rosette on Instagram and on Twitter. Thank you very much for watching everyone today. Please go ahead and like and subscribe if you did enjoy the content. We upload at least three videos every week for your viewing pleasure. Go ahead and leave a comment below if you want to join in the discussion and follow us on Twitter at MMA on Point and myself at Balian underscore plays. You can now jump in and join the community discord as well if you want to continue the discussion further. And I hope you've enjoyed yourselves. I'll see you in the next one.